This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood movies. This week, we are taking a look at Anastasia to see if our nostalgia is warranted. Now, Sarah, you chose this film, so it is upon you. The onus is on you to do our 60-second synopsis. <laughs> are you ready? Not really, but <laughs> gotta do it anyway. Nobody ever is. Okay. All right, I'll give you a countdown. I do have a timer. You will see it. Uh, Start waving so hands in... when I've got like 15 seconds left. Just woo. All right. All right. And in three, two, one, go. In 1917, Rasputin sells his soul to the devil and somehow starts the communist revolution that ends with the death of most of the Romanovs. Ten years later, Anya, an orphan, is looking for her family that she doesn't remember. She is convinced by two con men, Dmitri and Vlad, that she can pass as the Duchess Anastasia. During the trip to Paris, Dimitri realizes that she is the Duchess Anastasia. Um, uh, I don't remember what I was saying. More family drama and stuff. Anastasia is reunited with her grandmother before being attacked by Rasputin again on a bridge. Dimitri and Anastasia defeat him, and they live happily ever after and get married. Also, there's a bat. <laughs> Look at you. You said you're going to go over. That's like 15 minutes. I think she lost her place, so she just skipped a bunch of it, probably. No, literally, my note is romantic and family drama. Did did they get married? Yeah. I'm not sure they did. I I don't believe they got married. No, no, because the the blonde helper lady said, oh, they eloped. She's the cousin, and she says that because Anastasia left the letter. They're going they to were get married. Going to get married? Yes. Okay. That's I'm why they sure. left. We, she said, oh, we do not eloped. see the. We do not see the wedding on we the do not, film. But is it? We see them on a boat kissing. You want to go? End of do film. you want to go watch? Also, <laughs> end of film. We get a fem bat for no yes. reason. Um, it's a lead in probably to the sequel. <laughs> oh, I, or, I was. Is there a sequel to this? Oh, it's. There's a, There's a it, sequel to everything. Sequel, <laughs> but it might just be a spinoff. I don't know when it takes place, but it's just about the bat. Well, there was a TV right, show, well, wasn't there? Is that what so. you... Maybe. It's, it's science is yet to determine. Uh, but we've already started, but let's say it formally. Let's get into long form. <laughs> what do you guys remember? Uh, or what did you see this time as adults that you did not remember as children? Uh, I So, as as children... Uh, I remember that I remember liking the movie and the plot and and everything. Um, this time I was a little bit too distracted because I actually recognized like the majority oh. of the voices, and it Literally drove me crazy because every... I knew who all of them were. But then okay. also the animation was amazing, which I wouldn't have cared about as a kid. But the background stuff oh, was the so realistic are that great. It, yes, it distracted I, I from the characters for me because I, I was watching all the background stuff all the time. So I think in a certain scene, you're definitely right. Uh, for instance, when they're in the wilderness, I feel like 
the background is enormous and it's the 3D animation and then like their very small 2D animation on top of it. Also, when they get to Paris, uh, everything goes like pointillism. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, I mean, but it's the point because they're in yeah, Paris. And it's, it's and really, really cool, they go into but you the focus picture, less on the characters yeah. in right. the scene. Your focus is more on the I scene. I was still focusing on the characters. Like the backgrounds in that were like the whole thing was gorgeous. That that song I would say is one of the I liked all of the songs, but I'd say <laughs> like whole presentation wise, the par what is it? Paris is in your heart or something. I wrote it down. What it's called? Yeah. Uh, Paris is in your heart. Is that really it? Paris holds the key to your heart. Yes. Is the all name. right, close enough. And, and I think it's the strongest for having the whole sequence because one, the song is really catchy. Two, mm -hmm. it's sung by Bernadette Peters. If they yeah. hadn't had Bernadette Peters sing, there was something wrong with this movie because I, she's one of my favorite Broadway stars. I love her. Um, though, though in that same scene, they go shopping in Paris, and I do not care at all for the fashions of Chanel at the time. Really? Yeah, she comes out in a Chanel dress, and it looks worse than the blue oh, dress. Oh, I don't. I thought they regular. were gorgeous. I, that I thought better. the blue dress on the boat looked a little too. Young and a little too yeah. like Little Mermaidy when she's well, a human. Well, and also well, when yes, she... I definitely made that parallel. She also had the red hair. Well, and then when she put that dress on on the boat, her hair suddenly grew like a foot. <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> something I noticed. I'm like, they haven't been on the boat that long. Um, so... no, but I, I, that's another thing I liked about the the Paris is in your heart or the key to your heart is they have a bunch of historical people that show up that were time period appropriate. Like they had the Chanel store, which would have started in the mm -hmm. 20s. Um, they have, um, who else? Isadora Duncan shows up, Monet shows up, like, different people who would have been in oh, Paris at the time. Oh, yeah, Freud shows up Freud shows point. up, um, oh, shoot, there was another dancer that I'm forgetting the name of, uh, but she shows up, she's the one with the Jaguar. Oh. She's, um. She, I don't, I don't recall this. Uh, she's based on a really famous dancer that I don't remember the name of, but I'll figure it out later. I'm but, pretty but sure just, the plane, uh, there's a plane that flew by in one of those songs too that I think was the Spirit of St. Louis. Yeah, hmm. the, the, the stunt plane shows, is in that song. So I think as yes. a whole, like, performance, yeah. it just had so many cool things going on, but. Well, yeah, it's what it's leading up to. This isn't exactly the, the major plot point, but. The goal, the entire film up to that point, is to get to Paris, and this is the delivery it, on that promise. It's, it weirdly reminds me of in Annie, there's the song, um, Let's Go to the Movies, mm. that they have in the middle where it's kind of, it's this film thing of, of kind of showing Annie what her life has become now, and, and they're dressing up, and they have all these people who are waiting on them and stuff, and, and they're getting glamorous, and they're going to the movie as a family. And it kind of had that same feel of like, the your life has changed and here's the montage showing that to a really catchy now, song now i do want to get back to the animation for a second because when the 2d is on a 3d background i think it works particularly well the problem where i had problem with it is when it was a 3d object on yes. top of the 2d it didn't work quite well i, I was gonna uh, so, say the same thing but then we went so, off on a tangent so <laughs> rasputin has a, a reliquary and that works particularly well because he always holds it on like a chain or like he grasped it and it's you know it fits in where it failed for me was the this jewelry box which is supposed to be fit in like the palm of their hand and occasionally like the fingers around it don't really match up. It doesn't it, feel like they're holding. There's this a time when she twists to open it. She has her locket thing that she sticks in there to unlock it, and um, 
when she was turning her hand, it didn't turn as the same speed I, as the 3D stuff in the background. And that I will crazy, say but. some of the like animations on people were sometimes a little uneven. Like sometimes their faces yeah. looked like, <laughs> yeah. like they weren't the same character. And it wasn't enough to be distracting to me. It was just, uh, I think where this film really there, shown was... I just the thought it was that their face looked not symmetrical in some, <laughs> some I, I, like maybe one it's eye more realistic. In a place. Um but I think on like the backgrounds, like when they're they're in the forest just getting out of Russia and it's this beautiful spring and everything's wow. glowing, it's beautiful. When they have the above shots of the the um the palace. I think John mm-hmm. Blues movies because we talked about this when we did um Land Before Time too, up how gorgeous the backgrounds were, that they looked like paintings. Mm-hmm. And I think this might be something that Don Bluth's use even stronger than at some of the Disney movies at the same era, that those backgrounds are so interesting to look at. And I also think the clothing, it, it was so intricate and all the way the things sparkled and, and moved and stuff like that was so beautiful. It was just- I, I would disagree with that for uh, Anastasia's dress at the end, uh, particularly her big jewelry, like her crown or whatever they give her, and the sparkles on her dress like they didn't seem I, to fit the animation. They were just they super were very weird, but I love them. I thought that was great. It just it made it seem so gaudy, and this is supposed to be really, really fancy clothing. So it should be gaudy. Yes. What? Well, tacky maybe is the word. I was yeah, I don't for. think you wanted gaudy. Um, but yeah, I think those were stronger than some of the animations on the people's faces. Yeah, I, I noticed it most on Dimitri. His nose got weird at times. Huh. I didn't notice that. Where it changed for me was actually Anastasia. She I mean, had some uh, too. Because she changed from her rags to her riches. Uh, and when she was wearing the fancier clothing, I kind of lost, is this the same actress? The face looks a little different. Um, I, I think the ones that were stronger consistently are like Rasputin and Vlad, who were an even, um, shoot, what was what was the cousin that uh, Burnett Pink? Sophie. Oh, Sophie. Sophie, yes. Um. Because they're a little more cartoonish and exaggerated, and they weren't quite mm. as realistic as Anastasia and Dimitri, I think they stayed within that frame a lot better. Well, you could you could play with it and mess with the dimensions and stuff, and it still wouldn't be out of character for those characters. Right. Whereas right. those two and um, the grandmother were, were more realistic 100% of the time. Oh, Angela Lansbury. She is a treasure, and I, she sings. Yeah. Oh, I forgot how melodious her voice is. Uh, is she getting uh, asked? Is she getting added to our narrator of our life list with? Um, yeah, maybe because it, it's just Brian so warm Bluffin and grandmotherly, and... even when she's yelling at people impersonating her granddaughter. It's it's really weird though because I I got used to it and at the very beginning her accent sounded weird because I guess she's trying to do a British Russian accent. And I'm like, it sounds like she's doing a fake British accent. And that doesn't make sense <laughs> since she is British. Yeah, a British Russian living in France. Yeah. Well, you know. That's what? the character. But at the time in like the 80s and 90s, if you were European foreign in any sort of way, you were just British. Well, in the subject of weird accents, I have to bring up Bartok, oh. who's, who's yes. supposed to be doing a Russian accent. He sounds a little like Yakov Smirnov. Uh, but he could also pass for a Canadian. Uh, I, I would say, as much as like, I, I really loved most parts of this movie, I would say Bartok is the weak link. 
Yeah, I, which he is funny not because he was my favorite when I was a kid because he <laughs> exactly he's the comedy, the little kid character that. You and I like to. Hank Azaria. Yes. He does great mm-hmm. voices. This one is not one of them. <laughs> well, it's not a bad voice. In another movie, this would work great, but it doesn't really even fit into the overly dramatic fantasy world that um, Rasputin is in. He's mm-hmm. not really in the realistic 1920s mm-hmm. like world that the others are in. He doesn't really fit into any of those kind of subworlds yeah. that we have in the movie. He's just kind of there. It's really weird in a film to have one talking animal and like nobody addressing why there's a talking animal. Maybe he got the bet when he sold his soul to the devil. Well, maybe all of the bugs, all of the bugs in the underworld were talking. I don't know if that counts as to a be talking fair, animal. They're, they're not main characters, and they're like Satan bugs. <laughs> yeah, they're living in limbo, which is where Rasputin has been since he died. Um, also, ten years ago, I want to say as much as like the rest of the the film is kind of tries to be more realistic. I still loved Christopher Lord as Rasputin. I thought he oh, was his. Yeah. He's While you're so... talking about voices, his accent was not necessarily the same throughout the entire... Because there were some points care. where I was like, oh, it's Christopher Lloyd. And there's other parts where it was hard to tell. He was so... such... Oh, it's evil Christopher Lloyd. Oh, yeah. He's such a ridiculous drama queen throughout this whole thing. It's, <laughs> yes. It's, yes. And they, they take him out of... They just did a Broadway version of this show. And they he's not... They completely get rid of the character of Rasputin. And I get why. I don't think it would translate well to what they were doing. But at the same time, he is such, like, this epitome of 90s villain. Like, mm-hmm. Disney had some like this, too, like Hades and Jafar and stuff, where they're, like, over, like, they're drama queens that just, oh, the world is over because I haven't killed someone. And it's so funny, and I love it. And to have him well, doing it, it while his body is exaggerating a part is just great. Mm-hmm. Well, I think his whole thing is, like, Yes, he wanted to get his revenge, but also he couldn't die because he never got his revenge. That's yeah. why he's been in limbo for mm-hmm. 10 years. Uh, though I did, I liked some of his abilities. Others I found really, really gross. Like when he his eyeball pops out or like his mouth goes down his uh, beard. I thought that was funny. The, the grossest thing for me when is when he stretched. Oh, when he stretches that, his hand. And when he stretched Armstrong's uh, to catch his reliquary, and it's all just like this bloody bony tendon. Well, you I notice that like when, when he sold his, his soul, body. his whole body disappeared, and he was just a skeleton until the reliquary got in his hand. It's the and... same thing that happens at the very end when he loses yes. his power. Is he right? It's. I will say both the intro. And that ending are pretty dark for a kids movie. Like, uh, well, I when looking at posters, that I don't remember what the rating was, but it did say that parental guidance recommended for people under fifteen. So under it was. 15. I don't know if it was necessarily a kids movie. <laughs> I, mean, I definitely is. saw it when it came out. I know. What was so that? I. I think it was ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. Gosh. I, oh no! It was, was rated G. Wow. Rated G. It was. It was. According to Google, that, that would have been the day before my fourteenth birthday. <laughs> oh, you're the oldest man alive. Yeah. I maybe been eight. No, wait. It came out in November, so I was nine. Um, okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I would have been. But nine it's weird because well. that intro is pretty dark. Like. A bunch of people die. Oh. They have them knocking over to the czar statue. He becomes a living skeleton for a while. Like, yeah. Yeah. he drowns. And it starts at this amazing 
glorious party where Anastasia is hanging out with her whole family at a ball. He breaks in and just wrecks shit up. Like, he, he crashes a chandelier, he starts the revolution by letting the peasants in, and he curses her entire lineage. Um, Which, uh, also I... in that opening scene when he dies uh, falling through the icy water is what I remembered as the final scene when we did our remembers, <laughs> yeah. remembrance um, episode uh, thing. But I just remember he'll... him falling through the ice at some point. I guess it happened at the beginning. But the thing but... is, is Don Bluth and Gary Goldman, who made the movie, they actually, they were like, if we do it s- straight, just the story of the Romanovs, it's it's even darker. It's just the worst. And so the, <laughs> their idea was, we can't do it, like a realistic telling of the fall of Russia. And so they're like, well, let's tell it as a fairy tale, which is kind of what they do. But the yeah. fact that that was pretty dark to start with, like if they had told it as actually the fall of, of Tsarist Russia into communist Russia, it would have been even worse. It would have been like, well, yeah, it, it's cause it's like a real life lemony snickets where all of these distant relatives are dying in mysterious yeah. circumstances. Um, I will say when Rasputin is first introduced, why did they, if he looked like that, why did they ever trust him? He is an <laughs> obvious bad guy. And oh, <laughs> but we never see him when he betrays it, the king and he gets banished. We only see him when he returns. But it's doesn't he sell his soul after that? Guy. No. Maybe. He, I think but that why, was a flashback. Why did we ever trust says, Jafar? He says, I sold my soul to get my revenge. I think that little scene of him getting Does the Does he say that at the party? Flashback. He says it at the party, yes. Okay. But also, uh, though, Rasputin is basically just the evil fairy from Sleeping Beauty, because he's like, I can't come, you're going to kick me out of this party, I will curse all of you. Uh, otherwise known as... <laughs> Maleficent? Maleficent, thank you. She doesn't yeah, have a name so, in the original fairy tale, she's just the uh, evil fairy. Fine, whatever. Though I do want to talk about his curse, because he curses all of the Romanovs. The whole film he's talking about how Anastasia mm-hmm. is the last of the Romanovs and she has to die... Is the grandmother not I, a Romanov? I was wondering the same thing when we were watching. Maybe, maybe it's just Romanovs who can inherit. Maybe since she's <laughs> resigned she's a- her position really as empress, she's no longer in succession for that title. Maybe that's it? Well, but she goes to live with her grandmother. Though, would, as soon as Anastasia joins the family, if she off guard? I mean, and when she gets married, she can no longer inherit it goes to the man, I assume, in this patriarchy. Um, no, because there, there were queens of Russia, because there's Catherine the Great. All right. Well, fine. Maybe <laughs> she can still inherit. But it just seemed like a weird line in the this sand was... to draw, where, like, grandmother's well, off limits, we gotta kill this girl. She can't inherit anymore. There is no longer a, a czarist <laughs> line. They're all uh, communists still... now. She could, all, she could get that rundown property that Dmitri was living in. I think. Oh, I will. I say, would take that. As, <laughs> yeah, dude, it's a freaking castle. As someone uh, who studied it. a lot of Russian stuff, I studied language and cinema and stuff like that. There is well, there's a whole lot of historical inaccuracies, but the one that really bothered me is the fact that they keep talking about going to Saint Petersburg in a really catchy song that I really love. <laughs> Sing it. But have you heard? There's a rumor in Saint Petersburg. Oh, <laughs> I have another <laughs> thing after that, but. But it this was 1927, 28 at the point of the the time jump. Mm-hmm. By that point, it probably would have already been Leningrad. <laughs> I I 
Thank you for correcting. I the think film, I Sarah. think it switched in 1924. But you know what? The, the most historically but... accurate part is Rasputin being a demonic sorcerer. I'm sure. I don't with... know. It took like well, five t- is... tries to kill him, so maybe he was. That is at least part of historic lore, where he he was very hard to kill. They had to do it like ten different. They times like poisoned him, shot take. him, rolled him on a carpet, and threw him in a in a lake. You're so, just I mean, quoting it's, that it's song. A part, it's a part <laughs> of several uh, rah rah Rasputin. <laughs> Rasputin, lover of the Russian queen. Um, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't not sing it as uh, Lady Gaga. Ra, ra, Rasputin. <laughs> ra, ra, Rasputin. Um, but this was this is a movie I probably have not seen in at least 15 years. I think mm-hmm. maybe the last time I saw it was early middle school, and yet. The moment the first song started with There's a Rumor in St. Petersburg, I knew every word. Like, every song that showed up, I'd be like, because when I was thinking about doing this movie, I'm like, I don't, I remember Once Upon a December, and that's kind of about it. No, every song that started, I just started mouthing the words along, and I'm like, how how is this in my brain? I don't think I knew the words, but every time, like, as soon as the music started, I was like, oh, I remember this song. And it was like, I I wouldn't have, I don't think I had the entire thing memorized, but I knew it as soon as I heard it. And that was every song in the movie. All the words, but especially that one, and like, as soon as her solo starts, the, um... Oh, I can't even remember the the actual title because the titles aren't necessarily. But the one she sings when she decides to go to St. Petersburg, I'm like, no, I know this. I really remember this. I even when remember she the credits. To the dog that can fly for some reason. I even remembered the credits <laughs> song the that isn't in the movie. <laughs> that credits duet I remembered from the Really? Yes. I like, remember, for me, yes, that all too. of these songs fell away from my memory. What? Like, when I think of Anastasia, I remember Bartok, and that's about it. Yeah, he's the one who got and the I, I think I won't like it every time I go back and watch it, but it's still, it's still a great film. Like, I don't remember the songs, but seeing them, they're really fun to watch they're and sing so along with. They're so catchy. Yeah. Although... There's some real questionable dubbing in this movie. Like, as soon the people they have for both the speaking voice and the singing voice are both great. I think they portrayed mm. the characters really well. They just don't sound anything alike for Anastasia and yeah. Dimitri. You can be like, that's true. Nope, someone else is singing. And then I got to the scene where they're teaching her, and I'm like, oh, the only dub that's really good in this is the Kelsey Grammer one. And then I'm like, no, it's just Kelsey that's Kramer because he scene. can sing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I mean, people who haven't seen the film in a while, Anastasia is played by Meg Ryan. Dimitri is played by John Cusack. John Cusack. Who weirdly sounds uh, young John Cusack sounds a whole lot like Chris Pine. I could definitely see that. Like I was trying to place who he sounded if like. If I hadn't known it was John Cusack, the fact that you can't match it to a body just hearing the voice, I'm like, young John Cusack sounds like identical to Chris Pine. It's real weird. Yeah, so to, to complete the cast, we got Vladimir played by Kelsey Grandma, Rasputin is Christopher Lloyd, Bartok, as we said, is Hank Azaria, uh, Sophie Bernadette Peters, young Anastasia is Kirsten Dunst. The singing uh, and voice the, is Lacey Chabert. Uh, and the empress, as we said, is Angela Lansbury. Even like- so, like, these are very identifiable actors and actresses, and so when you when you take their voice away for someone to sing the song, it's very noticeable that they're not there anymore. Especially when you have, it's only the two leads that really, well, the two leads and I guess Rasputin is dubbed, but the Rasputin is dubbed by what his name, what's his Jim name? Jim Cummings. Like, by Jim Cummings, who's Who does an amazing... like all kinds of, I, I knew his voice as soon as I heard the singing because he has done so many Disney movies. But but, <laughs> but he's, he's such a good, he, that is what he does a lot of times is he dubs singing voices. Because did he, he did Lion King, right? 
Did he dub for Maybe, Scar? I think so. He was. I really? I know for sure he was the voice of like the like the main guard guy in Aladdin. Okay, well, if he did dub um, it, like he's, he prepared, oh, like, it definitely sounds like Jeremy. Yeah, so right? he's a so professional he doing job. all these dubbing. So, so on that one, yeah, I knew it was dubbed, but it wasn't quite as noticeable as those main two. And it's a little, a little more distracting when you have people like Angela Lansbury and Bernadette Peters and Kelsey Grammer who are doing their own singers, sing, singers singing because <laughs> uh-huh. they've all been at one point during their career. Kelsey, Kelsey Grammer's was later than this, but have done Broadway shows. Uh, to be fair, they're probably doing singers as well. Anyway, let's move yeah, on. But I'll fall. You, ha- you couldn't let it go. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, but let's talk about Anastasia as uh, in the story. Because this is like the role that Meg Ryan is born to play. Where she is really cantankerous and arguing with the, her love interest throughout a lot of the film. she's still so likable. Yes, very likable, and you just feel so great when they get together then. It's like when Harry met Sally. 80s, 90s Meg Ryan was the best. She she was America's sweetheart. Everyone loved her. She did these spunky roles, and she was great, and that's what this is. And even the characters in the movie are like, just just waiting for it. Like, Vlad has that checklist of who wins the arguments, and he's like, oh, you have an attraction and on the train. Like, he's yeah. he's waiting for it. He's rooting for it. And I think the uh, the record is something like Anastasia 30, Dimitri 2. Yes. Yeah, it was... He's way, way behind. <laughs> oh. Though, what, let's talk about the train, because at a certain point in this film, they board the train. This is what this is supposed to take them to Paris. The train also looks Several, great. Yes, several things go wrong. The first the demon is train? that their papers are in the wrong color. I'm curious how they got on the train with the wrong papers. Um, it that's, might be a train where they don't check the papers and they don't check the tickets until you're already on. Yeah, that's, that's true they for were a lot going through look, looking at people's okay. tickets on the train. That's usually how that works. So, but she couldn't buy a ticket out of Russia without travel papers. I mean, they maybe have, that's why she. But they already That's have why the she tickets. goes to Dimitri in the first place. It's yes. possibly they just showed them. Oh. They didn't show, necessarily check them super well because the cover looked fine. It was just the inside writing that was the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, Rasputin attacks. They get separated from the train uh, to break apart and to jump off the train. They find dynamite. Yeah, I don't know why that was on a passenger train. It's very curious because, like, it's not something for the train. This is the cargo hold. So somebody on that train is transporting dynamite. No, they might have uh, foiled like a James Bond-esque plot where this train was going to go and blow up Paris. It's just a separate movie happening within this movie. I don't even know where to go from that. Fair enough. Oh. Then they get on the boat. And they get on the boat and they happen. learn how to dance. Yes, they oh, do. The now, crazy dream sequence, which I thought was yeah. really cool. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. Uh, So just give it context. Describe it to people who haven't seen the film. So after the train doesn't work, Rasputin decides what he's going to do is he's going to give Anastasia kind of this sleepwalking dream and get her through the dream to jump off the boat. And so she has this dream of her family that she's just starting to remember. Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. I guess it was her family. I didn't realize it because... So she follows a boy who is- uh, who, who's walking around and she's actually walking around the boat, not realizing it. And the boy gets to an edge of the cliff, jumps off and down in the water is a bunch of other people. I did not make the connection that this was her family. I, I did one because they're all redheaded. 
Two, I knew how many sisters, siblings Anastasia had historically. She, there's ah, the three sisters and, and the brother. I think the face on the father was the, the same as yeah, the guy the face who was on the dancing father's with her earlier. The same from the earlier. Though it's it's a very forgettable face. Like I knew it because I, I, I realized <laughs> when the young boy yeah. with the redhead showed up, it had to be Alexi, the brother. Ah, I see. Did he? I assume he died as well. A horrible death. All of them died. A horrible death. He was probably going to die anyway. He had hemophilia. Uh, yeah. Well, well th- that, that was one of the things but, in real history why Rasputin was this advisor is um, the Tsarina went to him for advice on how to make Alexei better since he was the heir and he was lying, dying of his blood not being good blood and not clotting. Though I had a note here. Now, granted, this, this dream sequence, this nightmare, what have you, is happening when the boat is hitting rough seas and things are splashing all over. But is there nobody working on this boat? She is able to get topside to the edge of it without a single person noticing. And Dimitri has to come, go to the top of a crow's nest, swing down like a pirate to save her. I just think there should be a simpler way. Well, you would think that there at least a captain or a pilot, somebody at the helm while the boat is moving. <laughs> yeah. Although, like especially when topside. there's that big of a storm, there should be somebody paying attention to the boat somewhere. Or, you know, lock a door or something. <laughs> I th- Visually, it's cool. Plot-wise, don't think about it too hard. <laughs> I can't not think about it too hard. Um, That's what I'm very, very good at. Oh, um, I have a note here, since we, we should go back to Dark of the Night. Uh, which is oh, Rasputin, where he gets song. his reliquary back, he has his power back, and now he can uh, go against the Romanovs again and try to kill Anastasia. There is a particular part in this song where he puts on a wig and cosplays being Anastasia. Yes. And I don't understand why he would do that. It just seems completely out of place for the character. Also, why is there a wig in Limbo? I don't think it's out of character. He's the biggest drama queen. He wants, he like, the minute something goes wrong, he's having a hissy fit on the floor. He cries so hard that his head goes into his body at one point. Like, (laughs) dressing up as stuff is like the least dramatic stuff he does in this movie. But but he hates the Romanovs. Why would he Buffalo Bill style dress up like a woman? Because he likes the dramatic effect of having the ability to like play act how the scene is going to go. Ah, huh. well, they didn't really explore that. That would have been interesting if he dressed up as her and then like sliced off his own head because <laughs> he could totally <laughs> he could survive that. I did look it up, and it says that Jim Cummings says that Jeremy Irons had vocal troubles during it and did do part of his singing when he couldn't sing. But but this is a very going back to that, it is sung by Jim Cummings. Um it, it has a very that that nineties villain feel. Like it yes. goes in the thing with like be prepared or mm-hmm. um things like that. It's it's very dramatic, it's very catchy, it's very dark, it's very you have some sort of minion creature singing background vocals. It's great. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Alright. Uh, let's talk about the dog. I loved this oh, yes. dog. Really? I, yeah, yes. I said I want this... all of my signs from God to come from a puppy. <laughs> well, yes. I I really didn't... I don't know. 
It is Whatever the cutest dog in the world. Whatever breed it is was not that attractive to me. And then it's for some mutt. reason it had big floppy ears cute. that it could flap around when it jumped and it would hover for a few seconds. Well, yeah, yeah well, that's that's nothing new. It's a cartoon. <sighs> I just have a note here in all caps, ROYAL PUPPY. Because oh, at one point they the put him in like medallions. And, oh, it's oh, adorable. He's so cute. You no, know, I love it when he, he finds the droid box and he falls into the bag head first and his little feet are wiggling. <laughs> I love the puppy. Oh, This surprises gosh, that, no one. No, nobody <laughs> that, that loves a puppy. Um, <laughs> if we're talking about random things. So yeah. at the very be- beginning after the prologue, you have Anya leaving, Anya Anastasia, leaving the orphanage. That orphanage lady was just the witch from Sword in the Stone. Literally, yes. they're just the same character design. Which I was trying to place her, but yes, you're totally right. Which is even, but that, but this is not a Disney movie, so it's, it's not, weird that they would like, recycle a character from And I even else. looked if They Sword recycled of, the animation effects from Beauty and the Beast. And I tried to look up if Don Bluth worked on that movie, because... At that point, he probably was still working for Disney, but I didn't see it. So maybe he was just at Disney at that time, and he's like, oh, it snuck into his head. <laughs> this is really cool. Let's do an entire movie with this. I, I also had that her her poor people outfit that she wears when she's coming out of the orphanage until she changes into the pretty dresses. It's just a 2017 hipster outfit. Like, you could buy that at any mall today and be, like, real cool. She is a trendsetter. Because it's like a trench coat and a and a hipster hat and some fingerless gloves. And like leggings and like tights. or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I liked her hat too. It was like some sort of captain's hat. She's she's just such a plucky heroine. I love her. <laughs> that was also when her hair was still short, like yeah. up above her mm-hmm. ears. And then on the boat that we talked about earlier. She who Dimitri bought her a dress. Somebody got her a dress. She did, yeah, yes. but it's and, horrible. And she she immediately made fun of it because she didn't think it was going to fit. She called it a circus tent. That dress fit her perfectly. It did. And it then was they not. Danced. It was a completely but different suddenly dress. When she put on the dress, her hair was like down to her waist, and I don't also, get it. Also, the dress. It's a completely different color. It's a completely different <laughs> style. It is, I don't care what they say, it is not the same dress that he was holding. That one was like teal and the other one was like blue and had different ribbons and stuff like that. Like, I watched this with my mom because yeah. as, as, I was like, oh, it's a good mother-daughter film. And she's like, that's not the same dress. What happened to the other dress? <laughs> uh, though you, you mentioned it was a, an aerial dress for you. For me, it, it reminded me of like a Wendy dress from oh, Peter Pan. They're well, technically hers is a similar, nightgown. So. But yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought of Ariel too, but that because they're on a boat. So that kind of, and she has uh, the red hair. So it all kind of yeah. fit together. Mm-hmm. I have notes that I don't remember what they mean. Oh, All right, read some. I want to hear this. <laughs> yes, just read Dimitri, some things and see if we can Anya figure out Anya talking is great. I think it's when they're arguing. Yeah, they oh, do probably, a lot of Maybe arguing. it was the part where they're like, the dog is not coming. The dog oh, is yeah. coming. That whole background <laughs> conversation. But also, on the train, Dimitri, going back to the crazy demon train, Dimitri has the line after the first set of cars gets at, disattached from the end. He says, something's not right. And I'm like, no duh, Dimitri. It looks like there's like hellfire coming out of the train. Yeah. What was your he jumps, He jumps up there and like his next line is like, there's nobody driving. Yeah. Meaning this is another vehicle with no crew whatsoever. And where did they go? Yeah. They turned into demons. I don't know. But he's just like, something's not right. I'm like, what was your first guess, 
Dimitri? Was it the fact that you just lost half the train? Though for him being, like, a con man, he is very capable. Because, uh, like, he crawls around the train, he gets underneath it to attach the grappling hook, which saves their lives. Like, he in the boat, he swings down from a rope to save Anastasia. Like, for as much of his life that he's, uh, you know, claimed to do things or he's falsified things, he can actually perform when the moment calls for it. Yeah. But, I mean, it it's Soviet Russia. He was probably... You can't live necessarily off completely being a con man. You gotta do some probably like some like working as some sort of labor. Uh, you mean like Anastasia was about to at the beginning of the film? Yes. <laughs> um. So we talked about the the backgrounds and stuff like that. I think what's also really cool they have a lot of really interesting details that aren't full backgrounds, but like when they go from doing the train and the train dies, and they have the whole conversation about are we walking. To, to France, no, we're, we're walking to, like, we're going to take this and this. Oh, are we walking to Germany? Um, they do this, like, overview map that show has little parts of each oh, of the cities yeah. and tracks their progress. And it's really beautiful. But they also have a lot of different, like, paintings in various scenes and things like that. And a lot of them, like, one of the paintings in the uh, the Russian palace is based on a real painting. So a lot of the, like, the stuff is based on real. And, and the drawing she has that that her sister said was terrible and looked like a pig is yeah. literally based on a real drawing she did. Anastasia did for her father that her sister did say looked like a pig riding <laughs> a donkey. And so for like, like the historical plot doesn't connect really in any way, except for the fact that there were a lot of people claiming to be Anastasia. Right. But a lot of the visuals and stuff like that are based. Some of the dresses, some of the things like that are based on real historical things that they have pictures of and things like that. Oh, Wow. Yeah, that for um let's see. I think the reason I always thought this was a Disney film is that Disney is very good of encapsulating a culture within one of their fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Uh for instance, Middle Eastern culture in Aladdin. A lot of that is actual things that would happen or you'd find in that area. And this does the same thing for Russian culture. And I think yet yeah, I didn't notice all the the intricate things that you did, like the Pacific um, tie-ins with the plot, like uh, the music, the, oh, the, the music. architecture, the clothing. They it's have, all period-appropriate and very well done. They have one of the things where they have, a, I don't remember if it's a scene with Rasputin or what, but they do a skyline of Russia and they've got all of the, the onion-topped buildings. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. It looks like a painting and it looks like how you think of like a big city in Russia with all of the very... Uh, historical architecture and it has has those rounded tops and all the the stripes and stuff like that and it's beautiful and it and it gets you really into no this takes place this part takes place in russia and even when they're in paris and they're going through the bridge and the architecture and stuff like that it's very of of what you would think of oh it's 1920s paris yeah i did and they show the moulin rouge at one point they took the elevator up the eiffel tower and the elevator was just like a rectangular platform with no railings or anything they just go straight up but there was it's the, um, it's the 20s there's no health and safety yeah later uh when once they finally get her back to her grandma mm-hmm. at the there well they get the grandma back to her i guess i should say after the opera and sure. and she's in the room, and something she noticed was when Grandma walks by, she says, "Oh, peppermint! I I remember you used to always smell yeah. like that." And, that, and I remember 
somewhere along in school, I don't know if it was some, I don't know if it would have been psychology, some class where we talked about that, though, where smells are supposed to be one of the strongest things to trigger memories, so it's yeah. interesting mm-hmm. that that plays a part in the film and, as well, that they and were I able like, to incorporate that. I like, and obviously it's sped up because it is only an hour and a half movie, you can't have her sure. in real time remembering memories, but there is a progression to how much she remembers. At first she's kind of just having the little flashbacks when she looks into the plate at the palace, but she doesn't have full memory. She just has like flashes. And then she Mm -hmm. has those just little memories out of nowhere. Like she remembers the doorway, even if she doesn't believe it. She remembers somebody's cat. Yes. (laughs) I think that is, it's true for actual cases of amnesia. Though amnesia is very rare and like film and TV, um, use it far more often than it actually occurs. But like, the way that you get your memory back is you go back to familiar places, yeah. you live your life, and, people treat you the same, and slowly these remem- these memories come back to you. And, and so it's this thing of, she didn't remember when she was orphanage, but when she, the, she starts remembering when she goes to the palace, and then when they're telling the stories that they mm-hmm. know from the palace, which she obviously at the time would have known of them. Like, she didn't meet Dimitri, but she probably maybe knew Vlad from a distance because he said he was on the court, in mm-hmm. the Russian court. But then it's when he she gets to the grandmother that kind of this very familiar thing to her that everything right. sort of snowballs and she remembers everything. And so there's this progression of just a little bit and a little more and then everything. Yeah. So it's well, not just like, I got hit again. I remember everything. Even, I like right. that there's kind of box this Because in the boat, she's, she called it, or Vlad calls it a jewelry yeah. box. And she just says, oh, yeah. is said, that it? Oh, it seems not- like it's something special. But then when yeah, she's, she's like, with the grandma, she says, oh, my music box. Yeah. So, right. so, so before she's just, she knows it's something. She's not, it's not a jewelry box. She knows it's something different. And there's, she knows there's some sort of trick to opening it. But then she remembers completely by the end. And it's, it's just a really neat progression that they do. They yeah. Do. Though, uh, what I noticed, Mark, you mentioned the, the opera, which is where they go get the grandmother. Uh, the, at the opera, they are watching Cinderella, which is a nice play within a play because that's also a rags to riches story. Yeah. Um, and uh, at this point, the grandmother is just kind of done with Anastasia impersonators. She doesn't want to see like any more. And, like, Dimitri has to go to the extent of kidnapping her in order for her to meet this woman. And, like, I don't know how I feel about that. Because, yes, he's been this roguish guy, but he's he's kind of reformed at this point. But he goes to the extent of taking this woman against her will, as opposed to trying I to convince he her. Knows well, because he that didn't have, he knows and he didn't have the sure time. that it's Anastasia, and he's just like, you have to meet her because... I'm trying to get you two back together. He just wanted and, to see them get together and realize that that it actually so was he her. has he has one trump card, which is the the not the jewelry box, the music box, uh, and he doesn't use it until she he already kidnaps her and takes her back to the well, house where Anastasia he is. He tries to say that he was the one who was in the palace, and she cuts him off and just leaves. When they're in the opera box, he says, mm-hmm. I worked at the palace. I was, and she's like, I don't care. I'm leaving. And so I don't think he really had the time before then to pull it out. Hmm. Though, yeah, she also knew that he has been auditioning women for probably months, trying to get the money to do it, to find women who could possibly be <laughs> Like the one that comes out is... there like Cruella oh. DeVille. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. 
It's I don't remember exactly what she said, but it was like a manly voice with a big fur coat. I, yeah, I don't remember and she what was she dressed. Said, she was but... a full-grown woman dressed like Shirley Temple. Yes. Yeah, it was just oh, all sorts of steez going on there. And, and both him and Vlad kind of just look at each other like, this is where we should, should stop. <laughs> this audition has broken us. Um, <gasps> all right, well... We're getting close to the end of this. Do we want to do anything else before we go on to Act 3, the final thing? No, because I think the only real note I have left is for the very end of the movie. Okay. So, very end of the movie, they remember that Rasputin is after them. Uh, because this film forgets about it for a while. Well, they like, don't know. He does the, he does, no, they don't. The film does. Oh, yes. Like, we don't see him after a while because he tries to, to wreck the train and that goes bad. And then I think he sends Bartok or somebody after them and that goes bad. And so he finally decides, well, I should do this firsthand. The, the dream. And yes, and he comes up uh, out of limbo, but apparently it takes him a while to get to Paris because oh. apparently limbo has restrictions on travel. Um, He does. I do have another note, which is Bartok is the worst evil villain sidekick because he is like, oh, do we have to kill people? Why are you so yeah. hung up on this? Well, it's been his whole thing the entire movie. Why are you surprised about that? He still wants to kill people now. But he's the and, and at at the very end, which we are getting to, <laughs> Bartok like specifically has the line uh, to his master, like, well, you're on your own. I can't help you here anymore. Well, but like, what, what is he going to do anyway? But I, he's, he's, he said he was going like, to haya and haicha and kill. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Kiker, sir. But he's, he's like, that's a pretty good don't impression. You know. He's like the, the, he's I mean, like the still the comic relief. Yeah. I mean, but he's there as the villain sidekick, but he doesn't actually do any of the evil stuff. He's but, just there. But at the beginning of the movie, he's, he's just there, but he's kind of like, I get that you're evil. I'm not really going to help, but I'll be here to, to be your cheerleader. And then at the end, he's like, why, why, are we still, why are we still trying to kill this person? Because that's his whole goal. He sold his soul to the devil for this. You need to get, you need to get on the thought train. Well, he just, even tried to break the reliquary one time, and Rasputin's like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah Rasputin kind of loses that ability to stretch Armstrong later in the film. Um, maybe that only maybe works in loses, limbo. Yeah, maybe... Some of his powers are weakened when he's not in limbo. I thought that the source of his power was the reliquary. I yes, thought the only but maybe reason the, he like, did that uh, was because he, he lose the reliquary. I thought it was because his body was rotting in limbo, so all yes. of the parts kept falling off, and so he could. So he doesn't out fall like apart that. quite when as much back when to he's the real world. I think he is back to his normal body. He still says mm. he's a rotting corpse, but I don't think he's quite falling apart anymore. Okay. No, no, no body parts fall apart during that final scene, do they? Um, I don't no. recall. I don't think so. So, anywho, uh, so they're, they're at the ball for Anastasia because now she's back and it's a big production. I will say that but, dress is that you didn't like because of the sparkles. Yeah. He's based on a historical dress. Right, right. But the sparkles just didn't seem like they were part it, of the dress. I, and they weren't. They, they were weren't. the 3D Yeah, animation. it wasn't the dress but, itself he complained about. It was the animation say, of the sparkles. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm pretty... I'm, I'm kind of a girly girl. I like sparkles. I like more sparkles. <laughs> I like. I want all the sparkles in the world. More sparkles. Not enough sparkles. <laughs> I'm just Carl's Since face. When, when are you a girly girl? <laughs> hey, I wear a lot of high heels. <laughs> I like <laughs> When? Uh, like always. 
It's just that you threaten murder way more than I think a girly girl would. You can threaten murder and wear beautiful pink dresses at the same time. Okay, maybe. Okay, fine. I We have different <laughs> definitions I of guess. girly girl. But anyway, so Rasputin is there. He uh, draws Anastasia into this weird hedge maze. I which, thought that was... Real unsettling that hedge maze. It's, yeah, it's where did Harry that even Potter come world. from? They just they turn the camera and suddenly there's this enormous hedge okay. maze they have not acknowledged up until this well, point. Well, Sarah's the one telling us all about the historical facts, so maybe she'll dig up something that that actually existed somewhere. I'm sure there's a hedge maze <laughs> in Paris. Uh, and then uh, so this hedge maze leads onto a bridge, and Rasputin has the chance to kill Anastasia. But in classic villain style, he brags and he gloats and he wastes his entire chance to do anything because he thinks he has all the time in the world. Because Dimitri comes out of nowhere. He does. He finds that rose and suddenly he has to book it back. He doesn't he had even a really know there's creepy something going smile down. in the train station, by the way. Also, also, if you watch the scene, uh, so the the. The hedge maze extends onto the bridge. That that entire side of the bridge is covered in plants. That's the side that Dimitri comes from to save Anastasia. Maybe once he got Anastasia trapped, he didn't need to have that closed behind her anymore. I will say his his speech to her when he's like, oh, it's, look what 10 years has done to us. Mm. You're a beautiful flower and I'm a rotting corpse. That <laughs> yeah. is also very unsettling in a kid's movie. Yes. Now, that, that brings up another thing, because she was eight, uh, meaning ten years later, she is 18. I'm not exactly sure what age Dimitri is, but he does not seem to be 18. He seems to be at least oh, early no. 20s. Yeah, he... Oh, oh, Dimitri. Yes. Dimitri, yes. Sorry, I thought you said Rasputin, and I'm like, yeah, he's no, like Oh, no, no, no. Rasputin dead. is dead so and buried. You're talking about his monologuing here and giving everyone yes. a chance to get away, or for someone to rescue her, but... I mean, you have the hedge maze. You could just go shining on her and and fill it with snow or something, and, and she can never get out. <laughs> Though in classic shining fashion, the villain would lose in that moment. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so he's using his magic though. Like he's crushing the bridge. He's making it slowly descend into the water. And he, he's in classic villain style. He's giving her a chance to come back. Apparently, Dimitri is supposed to be two years older than Anastasia. Apparently, okay. he was 10 in the beginning, so he'd be 20. All right, that that kind of fits my time frame. It's not as weird as I thought it might be. Because, well, even that age gap maybe isn't that big at that time. Um, I will say that this is another thing where they are not historically accurate because she was not like eight years old. She was 17 when she died in real life. So they're and I, they're off by only like a decade. So wait, in this film, is she the Rasputin having died at 17 but still alive? <laughs> uh, but... There's a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, best joke yet. Um, so... <laughs> So Dimitri comes out of nowhere, and apparently the only thing they need to defeat Rasputin, who has a uh, an evil reliquary giving supernatural abilities, is to tackle him repeatedly. Apparently he has no defense over tackling, even though he is pure magic. Because Dimitri comes in, tackles him, and then he enchants like one of the horse statues on the bridge as kind of a pegasus to come attack Dimitri. Uh, and in fact... 
this comes up later, where Dimitri should have died during this thing. Because, uh, uh, what is it? Anastasia's uh, hanging off her bridge. The dog is distracting Rasputin. We go, we see in the water there are ripples. We believe that Anastasia has fallen, as does Dimitri, who jumps off the bridge to go dive into the water to save her, and is immediately made immediately met by a horse coming back up and crushing him back. Oh, like, scary, scary blow. demon horse. Yes, yeah, scary yeah. demon horse. With the uh, Pegasus evil twin. Ugh. Did not like that horse. No, that horse is the worst. Uh, but in true fashion, part of the reason I love this dog is the dog saves the day. Yeah. By flying with his ears again. Yeah, he's a real Dumbo, Mark. I don't know what to yeah. tell you. But, like, he jumps up and knocks the reliquary out, and that reliquary goes to Anastasia. And apparently this thing is really, really fragile. Because she barely puts a foot on it, and it cracks almost completely. And that's how they defeat her. She just keeps putting pressure on it until it snaps they underneath. Her? Hmm? You said that's how they defeat her. Oh, that's how they defeat him. <laughs> she steps on the reliquary. Sorry, Ed. Yeah, it just... Hmm. I don't know if this is a fitting end. Yes, they defeat the bad guy, but what did they really do? They just smashed his toy. And he erodes away to dust in front of their eyes. And I mean, he probably goes to hell. He sold his soul. Yeah, one could only hope. <laughs> He'll go hang out with Disney's Hades and they can be drama queens together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so this royal uh, reuniting, uh, this big celebration that they've been building up to, it would be very similar to the celebration at the beginning where she's with her whole family. This big ball is what they've been building up to, and it just it doesn't resolve because they, they hop on a boat, they decide to elope, and they don't want that lifestyle anymore. Now, yes, does this fit the character? Sure. But how did you guys feel about the ending? Did you feel like it delivered on what the film was building up to the entire time? I didn't mind it as much because I think they were one of the big internal conflicts for the character, the, the different characters, was Anastasia not knowing how she was going to fit in between her old life and her new life, and Dimitri not knowing, now that he's fallen in love with her, how he can stay because he doesn't fit into her new life. And I think the idea that they quietly find their balance where where the where they're leaving to go find their life and get married, but the grandmother says, you always have me. And Anastasia says, like the grandmother said in the first scene, eventually we'll be back together in Paris. Mm -hmm. And so I think it kind of, it's very quiet. It's not a big, normally in a musical, you have this big like chorus number at the very end and stuff like that. But it quietly kind of reflects what that first scene was of mm. of finding your family and coming back to Paris to meet them eventually. Right. Now, but she leaves her family. She starts a new family. No, she says in the letter that she sends to her grandmother, we'll be back soon. R yes, but like the entire film, she's been searching the family she lost. The, the, the ending resolves with her leaving, not like leaving forever, but being away from her family that she just got back. But I think part of it wasn't just the grandmother that is family. Dimitri and Vlad and the puppy and all, those are all her family now. And so, but it comes back to the first scene was the grandmother leaving for Paris and saying, we will be together in Paris again. And that's how it ends with Anastasia now saying it, we'll be together in Paris eventually. 
Yeah, that it does end with a very Hook-esque thing, uh, where Sophie is like, what a happy ending, and Angela Lansbury is like, no, it's a happy yeah. beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then we go from that to the scene of everyone falling in love because you're in Paris, and so then I just Bartok the suddenly has a female bat friend that shows it, up. Yeah, who, I don't know if she can talk. Like, what are the rules here? I if one of the animals can talk, but the other can't, is that, like, crossing some line on what relationships are acceptable? I'll look up if she shows up in the sequel. <laughs> the spinoff is... is called Bartok the Magnificent. Oh, Oh, no, okay. this takes pa- place before Anastasia? Oh, maybe it shows how he became Rasputin's minion. That would Did be he nice. give up on his wife and just get her back? Earlier. Uh, Maybe that, right, he, well, his, his, he, that was how Rasputin got him, is that he threatened <laughs> the wife, and now the wife is back <laughs> because Rasputin's gone. Baba Yaga Maybe. is a character, so that's interesting. Interesting. I don't know who that is. Baba Yaga is a character in Russian um, Slavic fo- folklore. It's, is that like the Babadook? No, it's kind of like <laughs> an, an evil witch. Her house has oh. chicken legs. Baba Yaga. The now that you say it like five times, it does sound familiar. I think I have heard of a Baba Yaga. Anyway, so let's close off long form and let's go on to games. game is the pitch game. So if you're trying to describe the film to a Hollywood producer or introducing it to a person who's never seen it, uh, you're introducing this film in terms of other films in the form. It's this meets this. So what I have for what this film is in terms of other movies. uh, So since it is a villain with supernatural powers interrupting a royal celebration and years later seeking their revenge on the kingdom's princess, and a kingdom who loses their royal heir at a young age, who finds her way back home over the course of the film. It is Maleficent meets Tangled. I do have both of those and other answers, but not together, so. I, uh, okay, anyway, Sarah's next. We'll get to that. (laughs) Because I already said that, I mean, that villain is basically Maleficent, but my other one is not a movie because we've done this before. It is Sleeping Beauty meets a terribly hijacked Wikipedia page about Russian history. (laughs) (laughs) Ra, ra, rusty thing. Okay, so, okay. As long as we're all just repeating each other. Yeah, free-balling. I also had, the first one I came up with was Tangled meeting Sleeping Beauty, and I don't really have to give the reasons, because you two already did. Nailed it. Cha-cha. All right, my second one. Uh, Since this is a film featuring a lost child, secret passageways, and the heroine journeying into a large maze with shifting walls, uh, and also a film featuring Christopher Lloyd playing an aggressively evil cartoon, it is Labyrinth meets Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yes. (laughs) I completely forgot that one. Because it is a rags-to-riches stories, and a questionable fairy tale retelling of actual historical events. This is mm-hmm. Cinderella meets Pocahontas. <laughs> I yep, I see what you did there. You mean you mean Grandmother Willow wasn't real? <laughs> there was no friend hummingbird. Oh, what? Uh, I liked the raccoon better. Yeah. Um, 
Miko and anyway. Miko, yes. I'm trying to decide which ones I think you guys will steal and say that first, but I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I've only got one more, Mark. I know. I don't think you're going to steal it. Okay, so um, because it's an evil sorcerer with a flying sidekick and a peasant who fights off evil to win the heart of royalty, and it's also a Don Bluth animated feature with a Russian child searching for family, I have Aladdin meets an American tale. Ha! Very nice. I I did consider Aladdin, but I did not put it down. Uh, my final one here is since this is a film. Um, sorry, I I wrote this wrong. It is a film. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> um, film with a character played by Meg Ryan falling in love with a roguish man while on her travels to and around Paris, and a film featuring holy reliquaries, ancient evils and Rasputin as the main villain. This is French Kiss meets Hellboy. I haven't seen either of those movies. I haven't either. <laughs> oh, French Kiss is great. It's Meg Ryan just being Meg Ryan. Oh, I do I d- love Meg I Ryan debated, being Meg Ryan. I debated, like, you know, A Sleepless in Seattle, or You've Got Mail, but I didn't do oh, either of those. So I saw You Got Mail as a child. Can we do that one? <laughs> well, yeah, when it's your pick. Is it, do, you, yes. do you have any more, or should I do mine? Yes, I have, I have one more. And I did, based on the personalities of the main characters, since we have a feisty female and we have a roguish hero, uh-huh. Uh-huh. it I is know where you're Hercules meets Tangled. <laughs> I put did, down Magira right? meets Flynn Rider. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I was thinking Star Wars. Oh, oh well, no. you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Um, because there are supernatural powers and based solely on the manner in which the villain dies, um, also the dashing rogue trying to reunite a princess with the people but only in it for the money, I had Raiders of the Lost Ark meets A New Hope. <laughs> also, he comes oh, back goodness. in the end to save her after everybody thinks he's gone. That was another thing That's that true. I forgot to write down. Yeah. All right, so let's go on to our second game. So the second game is an alternate tagline. It'd be a phrase or a sentence that you'd find on the film poster, which would give you the theme of the film. For instance, the theme of this movie uh, was, an, or theme, rather, tagline of the actual film uh, is, Anastasia, discover the adventure behind the greatest mystery of our time. Also, I had the idea that I'm sure somebody has done this where it's, uh, so it's the movie poster for Anastasia, but instead of Anastasia, it just has amnesia over the top. Anyway, so (laughs) the first one I have here is Anastasia. It's easy to fake being royalty when you don't have to pretend. Oh, that's really nice. (laughs) Sorry. Um, I had to do it. My first one is Anastasia, Revenge of Russia's Greatest Love Machine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, uh, I just really like that song. I, somebody had to do it. <laughs> I know, might as well be me. Anastasia, rewriting history, one mistake at a time. <laughs> My second one is is kind of in the same vein of that one. Alright, so this one encapsulates uh, kind of her decision at the beginning of the film, and also how I felt about the relationship at the start of the film. Um, so it's, Anastasia, you can do better. <laughs> 
Uh, my second one was just Anastasia. Forget everything you knew about history. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real DuckTales. Rewriting history. Might solve a mystery. <laughs> okay. I, okay. Moving on to TV yeah. guides, I guess. No, wait. No, we... Oh, sorry. I have one oh, more. Oh, I have no more of those, so... Yeah. All right. My my final one is Anastasia, a rags to riches story as you've only seen it several times before. Yep. So let's go on. Our third game is the TV Guide game where we give you the description of the plot of the film, much like you see in a TV Guide or a Netflix description, uh, and possibly missing the point. So I only have one for this. You guys are really going to have to shine for me. Uh, but my one is a young woman sloughs off the responsibility of her first day of work to play with a dog and later becomes inescapably entangled in the schemes of a forger and con man. Okay, so my first one is just three generations of a Russian family torture an old man. <laughs> Mine is going to ramble on forever. Once a royal advisor and now outcast, our hero is forced to sell his soul to prevent the aristocrats, aristocrats from bestowing <laughs> the same fate on future underlings. Unfortunately, with the help of some con men, the evil dowager empress and her granddaughter are reunited to continue their reign of terror and destroy the hero. <laughs> oh, evil fairy godmother. Alright, well that's it for me. Okay, I got else? one more. Sarah, Sarah's got the last one, then. Things somehow work out all right for a woman who takes all her advice from a stray dog. <laughs> oh, that dog is wise beyond its ears. <laughs> and wise beyond its ears. No. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like how you two had very different reactions to that. <laughs> I like anyway. the dog! Yeah, it's really great. So let's go on to ratings. Our first rating scale is our infamous potato scale, where we give you our review of how you will feel after watching this film in terms of our relationships with potatoes. So what did you guys have? What is Anastasia in terms of potatoes? Anyone? Sorry. I just did a real weird gasp inhale and... While you guys look up potatoes, why don't I go and fill airtime? <laughs> Uh, so, the one that came time and time again is because this film does what a lot of Meg Ryan films do, where the them falling in love is not a love at first sight. It's something that develops over time. They start hating each other, and they learn to love each other. And when they kiss at the end, it's actually meaningful because they've struggled and the relationship could have very well not happened. And once got interrupted uh, by a dog. Yeah, so the one that came time and time again in my mind was the gold potato. When they get together at the end, I definitely feel, like, proud, like they've accomplished something. Like, this is a relationship that's going to do really well because they worked hard to do it. Uh, and I guess in terms of that, it could also be mashed potatoes, which is homey and heartwarming. So I'm going to have golden mashed potatoes. I agree with the gold one, but for a different reason. Because... She wants so much for her family, and so there's the scene before the end, but but kind of where the sort of family part wraps up, where her grandmother, they've, they've done all the things, and they have that transition where she puts the tiara on the head, and suddenly they're in the ball and she's wearing this dress. And there was something about that transition where she's now 
she is definitely one of them and she's been accepted by as the true Anastasia by her grandmother and it's her Sophie and um and her grandmother all standing and it's that transition and it was just like she's made it home and I was so like yes she made it home and she's she's in her big dress with the beautiful background and I did I was like ah. but it was also very like I this movie, like, every time something good happened to anyone, I'm just like, oh, it's so great. I love it. So I think, I think Gold Mashed Potatoes is a good one. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I just wanted everyone to be happy and, and excited and in pretty clothes. Oh, <sighs> you're going to hate me. So <laughs> we always yeah. do. It's happens oh. time and time again. Time after time. Is this going to be Homeward um, Bound again? What? I don't even remember what happened on that. That was so long. Uh, both Sarah and I gave it tens, and you did it. Well, this is not numbers. This is potatoes. I, I so well, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that neither of you mentioned this, but we have on our list the black potato for dark or troubling issues, and just I know we talked a few times about how it was a darker movie for for children. And there's, like, the guy's head falling inside his body, and then you see him, like, whittle away to a skeleton and turn into dust at the end. And, and all they the demons just destroy everywhere. that one statue, like, a real-life revolution of one, and I'm like, eh, that's a little too, too real. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm going to have the black potato in there, but I... I, I can understand the mashed potatoes also, but I was kind of... I don't think I liked it as much this time around as I did when I was growing up. So I actually was almost more in the, what is it that we have? Boxed potatoes. Have we ever used this one before? (laughs) According According to our list, it says not as good as it should be. And I think as much as I enjoy watching it, I just feel like, I didn't get that much emotion out of it this time around. I think I liked it better the first time, maybe, when I saw it when I was younger. I would say definitely you should watch it at least once, but mm-hmm. I I just didn't get any feelings from it at all this time through. So Mark is a, a emotionalist robot. Yes, Mark's soul is as dark as Rasputin's. I'm taking over Sarah's position as the emotionalist robot. Uh, well, all right, let's go on to our second rating scale, which is a rewatchability scale. So a scale from 0 to 10, describing how you feel uh, people would enjoy the film. So, I think we got we know Mark's answer. Uh, but Two. Sarah, <laughs> uh, what would you give this film on a rewatchability scale? I gave it a 9.5. <laughs> and this is really high. It's, it's not the 10. I've given a 10, but I gave it a 9.5. And I think... I loved it. I love, I like princess movies. <laughs> and I think the fact that like, I There's haven't watched this it. movie. There is a dog. I like <laughs> movies with dogs. Dog. There was something about just the whole movie. And even when there were problems and stuff, I got caught up in the story and the characters mm-hmm. and the, all of the songs are catchy. All of the songs. I loved all of the songs. And I think the fact that I haven't seen this, what really swayed it for me is the fact that I haven't seen this movie in 15 years. And the moment the song started, I remembered all of them and I remembered how much I loved them. And there was this like, it had stuck in my subconscious so much that I remembered so much about this that, yeah, that a movie that can do that, that decades later, 
you you could have it the it's kind of like Anastasia. The music starts and I have all these memories of my childhood that like I didn't remember were there. Right. And and for me like I probably should have rewatched this like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm right up there with you. I would also probably give it a 9. Uh the drawbacks, this is where it comes in with that dark subject matter where like Rasputin is really gross. Like he <laughs> <That's true. laughs> he hangs out with bugs. His body parts are completely falling off in parts. And, like, different parts of his face are coming apart. Occasionally his face goes into his body. And, oh, the Stretch Armstrong moment just, like, real grossed me out. Uh, also, I think some of the animation, but not all, has aged poorly. Uh, I think it was probably um, Wouldn't Love It at a Time, where it's the, the 3D with the 2D doesn't always quite match up. It's yeah. not super noticeable. It's not completely distracting to the film for a lot of it. But I think it's enough to dock it a point when put in consideration with that dark subject matter. So, nine is my review. I, I will say, I kind of like the fact that Rasputin is so gross. Because you get in, like, Disney movies, mm. even their villains in some form have to be pretty. In Snow White, mm -hmm. the queen is gorgeous. Even Ursula is, for being a purple octopus thing, <laughs> is has these beautiful features, has the full makeup, has the great hair, has the curvy figure. You're and not going to mention the person that she transforms into, who, just who like is, original uh, Ursula. Yeah, who's just, but like, so like in Disney, even their bad guys have to be as pretty as everything else in the movie. Whereas like, this movie is not afraid to be like, nope, things are gross. There was like, he's a decaying corpse. He should be gross. It's true. I I may surprise you. As much as I said that that I don't I don't think it was as good this time around just because I didn't get much out of it. I think it was more because I was focusing on things like people's voices and the animation itself rather than mm -hmm. focusing on the movie. So I didn't get into the emotions of the story as much because I'm looking at the back like how the movie is made rather yeah. than the actual story. And from that standpoint, I still give it, I, I would put it probably eight. Um, it's, I'm going to go lower than you guys because apparently sure. you still like it more than I did. But, like, the animation, I think, holds up. Like you said, the 3D, 2D combination sometimes doesn't work very well. But the animation backgrounds work well. Oh, the, the, especially, like, the character the animation like, wasn't yeah. doesn't always work great. But, but everything together was really good. And, yeah. like Sarah said, the music is so memorable that I think yeah. anybody would have to watch it at least once. Uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. If you have seen it and it's been a long time, still definitely watch it. So I'm going to go download the soundtrack. Yeah, it's real, real good. You could sing along with it. You could. I, we have. You this could plan topic. your own revenge on the Romanov family. <laughs> by, <laughs> by singing. <laughs> if they don't sing, how do we learn their plan? Uh. <laughs> Uh, because they'll do monologuing instead of attacking the hero. <laughs> no, no, no. Singing much better than monologuing. All right. So that is our reviews. Uh, so we're going to move on to our next film, which is my choice. So we're going to try a different game. <gasps> it is stolen from a different podcast, <gasps> though I have it on good authority by you know, listening to the podcast. that They don't play this one anymore simply because... Uh, it required an application, and the application is now defunct. Oh, good. So, 
Uh, I'm going to use IMDb. I'm going to give you um, a number of actors and actresses that appear in the film that I've chosen. You are then going to bid how many of those names, starting at the bottom, you would need to identify this film. So, for instance, if I did Hook, Gwyneth Paltrow would be very low to the bottom because she's not a major part of the film, even though she's very recognizable. So, yeah. this film that I've chosen uh, has, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm going to say eight names. There's more on the list, but eight is the lowest that a recognizable name comes in. So, uh, let's start with Sarah. Uh, how many of those names, starting at the bottom, would you need to identify? Now, it is a smart play to start with eight names and make Mark go down. Yeah, way to go give back away and the... forth. <laughs> well, I'm just giving away the you strategy too. here because you're gonna go, you're gonna go back and forth. Uh, you have to go lower and lower no numbers. Um, so, the hint I will give you is it also involves um, uh, taking royalty out of power. Okay. I guess that means I should go with eight. It does. Mark, how many would you need? Uh, I'll skip a step and say six. <laughs> All right. Sarah, do you think you can do it in five? I think I can. Hmm. Something about royalty, huh? Have you heard? <laughs> That's just going to be the theme song for this episode. Now. Oh, it's so stuck in my head, guys. Uh, sure, I'll say four. <laughs> royal out of power. Although from the bottom of the list, I don't know. This will be interesting. Right. right. So, Sarah, you can. You can go three, or you can tell Mark to name it. I'm trying to decide if I think I can do it with three. I want to be impressive and try, but I'm going to fail, aren't I? Don't worry, I will too. Possibility. So. If he gets it wrong, do I get a guess with the four? Sure. Okay, then do it, Mark. All right. So, Mark, I I would say this. I could not do it in four. Oh, good. So, starting from the bottom of that eight that I gave you, you have Tom Jones, uh, Eli... Singer Lus Tom Jones? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> it's, it's not unusual, Tom Jones? Let me let me check. I believe so. Sex sexy British man singer Tom Jones? Really, IMDb, you're going to freeze up on me now? <laughs> What's new pussycat Tom Jones? Yes, that Tom Jones. So you have those four names were Tom Jones, Eli Russell Lindnitz, uh, I don't even Kelly, know who that is. Kellyanne Kelso, and Wendy Malick. I don't know Mark who any of those yeah, I was going to say, if that's from the bottom of the list, Tom Jones is the only name I've ever heard before. That That's why I went to eight, because Tom Jones was a recognizable name. There's further down, but oh. those aren't helpful. I know. So, so Mark, you're saying do the, you... four, the four other names would be more recognizable? No, I went to the lowest recognizable name, which was Tom Jones. That's where we got the eight. So of with those four names, do you have a guess? Oh, Wait! Now that I, you, I looked it's up not, Wendy, Sarah does. It's not your guess. It's not your guess. Mark, do you know? No, have but I remembered who Wendy Malick was. Oh. <laughs> so she still doesn't know the movie, apparently. No, Possibly. I think I do if I know who Wendy Malick is. Uh oh, I get no further hints, do I? I was gonna ask a question, but I don't think that, that works that way. I 
I I still don't know who those other two people are, but I know who Tom Jones and Wendy Malick are now. <laughs> good, good and great. Good. Mark, we're gonna need a guess. Uh, Lion King. <laughs> it is not Lion King. Sarah, do you have a guess? Does Wendy Malick play the wife of a main character? I I can't tell you. Actually, is it Emperor's New Groove? Uh, it is Emperor's New go. Groove. I was going to say, so, Lion King, I would have known more of the actors. So as soon as I said that, I knew it was wrong. When I saw but, her picture and remembered what her voice sounded like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, five would have done it, I think. Yeah. Because the fifth name is Patrick Warburg. <laughs> that that narrow down, he's in like every obvious. movie ever. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so but it's it, when, the, the top thing three about above him are, of course, Eartha Kitt, John Goodman, yeah. and David Spade. So, um, what do you okay, guys who remember? Are those other... Literally everything about this yes, movie. Yes, really, yeah, I, 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 I have picked watched it because it within the last we had initially got we're going uh, <laughs> we were initially going to do a quick turnaround, and this movie is on Netflix. Yes. Um, no, I love this movie. Agree. Yeah, I. We should also I, do the sequel just because. It's just, <laughs> it's your every pick. character is ridiculous and funny. It's heartwarming. There's so many quotable lines. Oh, yeah. Patrick Warburton has, like, a lot of them. Squeak, yes. squeaker, squeak, squeak them. <laughs> yes, because he, he's Kronk, the idiot sidekick. Yes. Just Kronk don't... is the greatest. Well, I mean, they, like the, it even makes fun of itself, which is the, like like when they're they're during the chase scene and it shows the map with the little dashed lines, and then it goes in close to show them running, and they look behind him, and there's a dashed line following <laughs> them on the on the ground. Uh, the most memorable line I can remember is uh, Eartha Kit, "Pull the lever, wrong, wrong lever." lever! Um, mine was always, and that makes me a bad llama, bad llama. <laughs> oh, and the old man with the. When he's in the trees, like, I, I threw, threw off the Empress Groove. <laughs> is that yeah. my voice? But I love it because David Spade is playing basically David Spade. Yes. I, when you have those actors who tend to do, like, tend to straddle the line between being real obnoxious, when they kind of, like, just kind of go with it, we're like, mm-hmm. yeah, people hate me and think I'm dumb. I'm going to go with it and be that character. Like, when to- in Tom Cruise in Night and Day, when he's like, everyone thinks I'm crazy. I'm gonna play a crazy character. Like, yeah, sure, good. I love it. Yeah. Like, they just, they lean into the role, and it really pays off. Uh, and it just reminds me how heartwarming oh. John Goodman is. Oh, I, they're bringing back Roseanne. Yeah. And I, I never that. watched a whole lot of that, but, like, the parts either. I did, he was so, so likable. And he's so yeah. likable in all the Disney movies he does. And it's just like... Well, yeah, they tried to portray him in that weird dinosaurs uh, TV show where, like, the main dad was basically a John Goodman mm-hmm. lookalike. Oh, I, I remember another line that I like, which is the, all oh, right, the poison, the poison for Cus- <laughs> Cusco, the poison to kill Cusco, Cusco's the Cusco poison. poison. That yeah. poison? <laughs> <laughs> or the kitchen scene where they keep running back and forth and changing their orders. And, oh, and there's yeah. so many, like, little details, mm-hmm. like... You know this... from the beginning the poison is wrong because she they put their drinks into the bush. The bush turns yep. into the shape of a llama. <laughs> uh, and like this is a, one of those films where one of the main characters who you wouldn't think of to do this is in charge of like a scout group. Oh, 
Because it's like this movie, A Bug's Life does it. uh, There's got to be other examples, but there's always like this character who is a scout leader for some reason because kids are hilarious. Oh, it's just, I, this movie is so good. Yeah, I I legit love this movie. Uh, Well, do we even bother with the plot? My acorn is missing. Did you get the acorn? (laughs) You owe me a new acorn. Uh, He's just looking well, up lines. Is this the, I am because I. Love then, then the what is the one where where he's he go he's running away he's trying to find his way back to the palace without the guy's help and then he runs mm-hmm. into the the pack of uh, panthers or whatever they are in yeah. the jungle and oh, then this right. girl shows up and the... pops a balloon. <laughs> oh, that squirrel is great, Bucky the squirrel or something. Love the squirrel. <laughs> Love this movie. This movie's just so great. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Go. We're going to have problems finding something bad about this movie, I think. Well, not all films have to be bad. I think it's also interesting if we all super love the film and talking about a film that we all love. Now, where we do a bad podcast is where the film is just boring and all of us feel blah about it. That's when you do it live uh, that's and how I like about MST 3000 Terminator. style. No, not, I liked Terminator. Remember, I'm the one person who didn't think it was boring. Um, right. Man of the House. Oh, yeah. <sighs> so that's, uh, anyway, we, we, that's <laughs> far too much inside baseball. Uh, but, yeah, so, Sarah, what are our plugs? You can find us at Twitter at Retrograding Pod. You can find us at Facebook at Retrograding Podcast. And you can find our website at Retrograding.Fireside.FM. Our music is done by Dominique Barnes. You can find her at Dominique A. Barnes on SoundCloud if you'd like to contact her or hear more. And now, our final segment is, guys, I learned something today. So I just found a bunch of great lessons in this. Uh, One, this is going to come off time and time again, get a dog. This dog is awesome in this film. And he helps out. He saves the day. They want to be able to save the day and defeat this basically devil character without this dog uh second fake it till you make it uh just if you pretend to be something long enough turns out you've always been this something uh but the lesson that i'm going to take away with it was uh go ahead and make a deal with the devil rasputin seems to be doing fine down in limbo or whatever he would live forever which is what humans really want is an infinite lifespan so yeah if you're thinking about it if you're considering it Go ahead and make a deal with the devil. That is going to end this episode of Retrograding. Join us next time when we go over the Emperor's New Groove. Cusco! Though it's it's a very forgettable point. Yes, for a forgettable face. Like, what are you chewing? Nothing. <laughs> uh, I might put this in the um, the things at the end. But I have a new niece. She was born during podcasting. Blessing our podcast her, forever. They're gonna name the middle name is now retrograding. Yes, <laughs> uh, it'll be Finley retrograding last name.
because we're not doing last names on this. <laughs> My last name is Danger. Let's uh, let's close that off there and go on to our final segment, which is guys. I learned no. something today. No, it's no, not. No, it's not. Plugs. Do you want to do plugs? <laughs> I wrote down plugs, and we, I just didn't do plugs. <laughs> Why didn't you do plugs? I don't know. Because I, I saw next movie, plugs, guys, I learned something. And I went on to guys, I learned something. <laughs> yeah, 